Good morning. Welcome back to the Next Step uh, webinar series. Uh, I'm Keith Eastland, and I'm here today with uh, my good friend and partner, Sarah Willey. Good morning, uh, everyone. And we are going to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about some of the uncertainty and the potential changes associated with Michigan's minimum wage law, as well as Michigan's uh, Paid Medical Leave Act. Uh, and we're very fortunate to have uh, Sarah, who is one of our experts in that area, who will guide us through and maybe provide a little bit of clarity in an uncertain area. <laughs> right. Maybe. Right. Right, Keith. Uh, to the extent that clarity can be provided. That's right. Um, uh, we're betting on you. I okay. Think. All right. All right. Well, I'll do my best. So, so why don't you give us a little bit of background, uh, if you will, kind of give us the thumbnail sketch. Uh, you know, a lot of clients, uh, a lot of HR professionals have heard about the buzz. There may be some changes on the horizon, maybe sometime in February. What does the minimum wage look like now? What it, might it look like? And the right. same thing for the Paid Medical Leave Act. Why don't right. you walk us through that? Right. Good question. Yeah. So, so let's start with what, what do we have to be doing now? Um, so with regard to the minimum wage requirements, Keith, those did increase um, on January 1st of 2023. So just this week. Um, and that was a scheduled increase. Um, to $10.10 an hour. So our minimum wage has increased. That is the current requirement. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, the tipped employee minimum wage, by the way, increased also to $3.84 an hour. Um, that also is um, certain, no doubt about it. So there is some certainty there. And with regard to... Um, the obligation to provide paid sick time, um, Michigan's uh, Paid Medical Leave Act, or what we know as the MPMLA, remains in effect. Um, and that applies to employers with more than 50 employees. Hopefully, um, our listeners who fall into that category know exactly what I mean when I talk about the MPMLA, and they've got... Um, policies and processes that are in place to comply with that, that's been in place since 2019. So that's where we sit as of today. Okay. So if if you're covered by MPMLA, you should have already been put that in place. You're good to go on that. No changes. There's some slight changes to minimum wage that pe that listeners should be taking right now. Do oh. those things. Now tell us what might change. <laughs> yes, what what might change. That's exactly right. So um, first of all, with regard to minimum wage, um, what might change is that Michigan employers will be required to apply a much more accelerated increase to minimum wage. Um, and if that occurs for 2023, that minimum wage would go to 1303 an hour. So instead of 1010, it would be 1303. And this is a big one, Keith, for our restaurant industry. The tipped minimum wage would go to 1173, $11.73, which, which of course ultimately means that this lower minimum wage for tipped employees is almost is almost going away. Okay. 
um, that could change. And we'll talk a little bit about why that could change. Um, and then with regard to the paid sick time requirements, um, what could occur is that Michigan employers, all Michigan employers, not just those with 50 or more employees, would be required to provide paid sick time to all employees, okay? And the amounts in the accruals depend uh, a little bit on a little bit on how big that employer is exactly. There's a lesser amount for employers that have 10 or fewer employees. Um, so for those employers in Michigan who are already subject to the NPMLA, they would be required to provide more time to more employees. And for Michigan employers who previously were not subject to the NPMLA, they now would have a new obligation to provide paid sick time to their employees. Can you speak a little bit in detail about what the differences are, especially with respect to the paid leave side yeah, of things, right? Sure. I think that the minimum wage is pretty straightforward. Yeah. But yeah. What, what are the real differences uh, between um, the MPMLA and the uh, the, the reverting back to the Earned Sick Time Act. Sure, right. And so those differences, Keith, would apply to Michigan businesses with 50 or more employees so that they they um, should have a system in place already to comply with the MPMLA, right? Um, so for those for those employers, right, they they have policies and they have a process to comply with the MPMLA. This will impact them in several ways. The, the first and, and probably most important way is that the MPMLA has exclusions for lots of different groups of employees, exempt employees, seasonal employees, part-time employees who average less than 25 hours a week, um, employees covered under collective bargaining agreements, et cetera, okay? Um, all of those go away, although there is an argument that current existing collective bargaining agreements could could remain in place until they expire. But otherwise, all of those go away, all of them. Um, so, for example, for an employer that complied with the MPMLA with a with a generous PTO or vacation policy, um, but didn't have to worry about their part-time or seasonal employees, they now are going to have to come up with a solution for them, okay? The other most significant way, of course, or, or significant change is the amount of time that we have to provide employees. And that is rather than 40 hours per leave year, it is now 72 hours per leave year, um, and so, and so that's a big change. Beyond that, there's also some what I call procedural adjustments, um, changes that we will have to make to policies to comply. For example, you have to let employees carry it over from one year to the next. You have to let them use it in very small increments, as small as your payroll system uses. Um, you can't require more than seven days notice for foreseeable leave. And the list, and the list goes on and on from there, Keith. 
And then, of course, for all of the businesses that weren't subject to the MPMLA in the first place, the change for them is they now have a requirement under Michigan law that they got to provide paid sick time. And again, it's for everyone. It's for all of their employees, everyone. So that's a big deal. Can you tell us, Sarah, or explain to the listeners a little bit about why is there this uncertainty and (laughs) when might these things change in February? Yes. Yeah, sure. Sure, Keith. What happened is that in 2019, a lawsuit was filed alleging that the Michigan legislature violated our state constitution when it had changed two ballot initiatives the fall before. Okay. And as further explanation so that our our listeners can, can understand the difference here, the two ballot initiatives, um, have the requirements that Michigan employers might have to comply with, right? So those uh, those higher minimum wage requirements and those additional paid sick time requirements. Okay. The in um, that lawsuit sat for a few years, and just in July, that judge from the Michigan Court of Appeals agreed with the plaintiff in that case and said the legislature had indeed violated the Michigan Constitution, when it changed those two original ballot initiatives. That meant that that bat, that those two ballot initiatives became effective, became the law with which Michigan employers would have to comply. So for a short period of time, we thought that suddenly Michigan employers, um, all of them would overnight have to comply with the higher minimum wage requirements and the additional paid sick time requirements. Instead, the judge actually stayed or delayed his decision until February 20th of this year. Okay, so we have this decision that was made. Um, the judge said that Michigan employers would have to follow the requirements of the ballot initiatives, but his decision now is just on hold basically until February 20th of this year. Great. And so now we have a decision that says, Hey, that was wrong. We're going to revert back to the, to the, 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 the more burdensome from many people's perspectives or, or the ones that have Higher requirements. Yes. Different requirements. More onerous. Sure. Right. More onerous. So now those may take effect on February 19th because that's when the stay ends. Uh, We know litigation takes time. We also know there's usually an appeal. So where does it stand? Yeah, exactly. So that um, judge's decision um, has been appealed to the Michigan Court of Appeals, um, and they did have argument on that case. Uh, back back just before the holidays, um, and it's sitting in front of the Court of Appeals right now. Um, the state did ask the Court of Appeals to extend that stay, right, or to issue a new stay that would apply all the way through the appeals period, not end on February 19th so that this all would become effective on February 20th. The Court of Appeals hasn't told us whether or not they're likely or willing to do it, and they haven't issued a decision on that. So as of now, um, unless the Court of Appeals further extends that stay, these more onerous requirements will become effective on February 20th. 
when do we expect to have a decision and what's a reasonable estimation, if you will, of when these new requirements might take effect? The first thing I'll say is, and this might surprise some of our listeners, the Michigan Court of Appeals doesn't have a deadline um, by which they have to issue a decision. Okay, and that's true in this case as well. That's why there's a large degree of uncertainty here. Um, at the oral argument, both parties uniformly, they, they, they both agreed on one thing at the oral argument, Keith, and that is they both agreed that the Michigan Court of Appeals should really issue a decision no later than February 1st so that if Michigan employers are required to make these changes, they would have some lead time before fe- February 20th to do it. Um, the Court of Appeals panel, of course, made no promises in that regard. Um, but I will say they are well aware of this dilemma. They are well aware that there is an end to the stay and that if they don't do something, Michigan employers are going to have to comply uh, with these legal requirements on February 20th. Um, and those legal requirements may ultimately, could feasibly ultimately be found by the Court of Appeals or Michigan Supreme Court to not be applicable, which is a very, very difficult position for Michigan employers to be in. So I think that the Court of Appeals will endeavor to either issue another stay or to make their decision sometime at toward the beginning of February. That's my best guess. So what does that mean for Michigan employers right now, right? What, what are, what, can you kind of tell us what employers are doing and maybe what you think they ought to consider doing in light of this potential uh, change? Right. And that's such a, that's such a great question. We certainly have been talking to lots of Michigan um, businesses about exactly that. And it's been interesting to, to see their perspective as well. Um, and, and my big takeaway, Keith, is that there is, in my opinion, there is real value to, uh, Michigan employers beginning to, to plan for these changes. Okay. Whether they occur on February 20th, or whether they occur sometime after that, um, I think it is worth taking a step back and understanding, number one, how the changes will directly impact their business and what they will need to do in response to that. So, for example, if um, you're an employer um, in the minimum wage or the tipped increase increases will apply to you in a meaningful way, that will probably impact some budgetary decision-making um, and, and how you're thinking about um, your the financial state of your business in 2023, for example. Um, with regard to the paid sick time requirements, um, uh, lots of businesses have found it tremendously valuable to pull out um, their existing paid time systems and think about what they would need to change both from a policy standpoint and also with regard to their payroll systems if they um, were required to comply with the um, more 
uh, generous paid sick time requirements as well. In other words, what I'm seeing is not necessarily Michigan businesses moving forward in, in complying with these things regardless, but instead really starting to engage in some meaningful planning um, so that they are a step ahead of the game if this does, in fact, drop into their lap on February 20th. Tell me a little bit. I'm not going to hold you to this because no one has a crystal ball. But if you're looking into your crystal ball, you know, what do you think? I mean, you know, some of the advice maybe some folks got was, hey, we can wait and see. Where's this going to end up? What's the right. do you think that either the court of appeals might reverse the the trial court here, or do we think we'll get a legislative fix? Where, where do you think this oh, is going to ultimately end up? Great question. So, from an appeal standpoint, Keith, um, if I were um, betting the odds, I think I I would put my money on ultimately the Michigan Supreme Court upholding. Uh, Judge Shapiro's decision. In other words, I believe that from a, an appeal standpoint, um, Michigan employers would be required to comply with those original ballot initiatives. Okay. I think, um, the, the plaintiffs in that case have the better legal argument, um, that what the Michigan legislature did was in fact unconstitutional. That's my read, right? That's not a promise. I don't have a crystal ball, um, but uh, I, I, that's that's certainly the case. In other words, this is a real possibility that this is happening, right? Um, with regard to the legislative fix, that's a that's a really interesting uh, question. Just before the election, there was some noise, um, particularly in some comments made by Governor Whitmer um, about uh, regarding her thoughts of what would be uh, a, a sudden increase, right, uh, to minimum wage. And at that time, what she said was that she thought it would be bad for Michigan businesses um, if they had to suddenly comply with the minimum wage uh, requirements of the ballot initiatives without more notice. Um, that sent us an indication that maybe there would be a different kind of fix, right, aside from the litigation. Maybe Governor Whitmer would work with the legislature to try to come up with a different fix. Since then, however, we've really not heard anything else about that. Um, and it does not appear, as far as we know, to be a priority on the part of the legislature right now to to try to find some sort of different thing. And so it's probably a good idea to look at what you ought to be doing or what you would need to do yes. um, to comply if you had to do so in short order. Um, right. You know, the waiting game may not be the best play right now. By way of example, we, we've talked to lots of businesses um, and helped them take a look at their exist their existing paid time off policies um, to explain to them um, what probably their best strategy would be to comply with this um, Earned Sick Time Act. Um, and so now they know, right? They they have an understanding of how they would structure it and what they would need to do in order to comply. Um, many of them have to will have to make changes to their payroll platform 
so that it allows for certain accruals and things like that. So they they know ahead of time um, that they might need to explore that, for example, with their provider um, and begin asking some questions on that. That's just an example of, of why it would be valuable um, to start thinking about it now and not scrambling to do all of that um, on February 19th or 20th. Well, thank you, Sarah, for uh, sharing uh, all of your expertise and uh, for bringing a little bit of clarity uh, and some guidance for our listeners. And thanks to all the listeners for joining us. Um, we hope you'll you'll join us again soon, uh, and we expect the next uh, episode in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate it. Bye, everyone.